Welcome into our first edition of Camel Call Friday. I'm Chris Saymeyer. He's Evan Budrovich, and we'll come to you every Friday with a brand new podcast to talk about the week in Campbell Athletics, get you set for the weekend. We'll work in some interviews as well, like today in our second segment of this half hour podcast. First year Campbell head women's soccer coach Jeff Gross will be in to talk about his team, who, believe it or not, already three games deep into the season. Evan, how are you? I'm fantastic. It's a little weird not working in athletics anymore, but I'm glad to be part of Campbell and glad to be with you. I know we were going to talk a little bit about uh, us and our bios, but first we'll talk about you. Tell us how many years you were in athletics and then kind of your new role, as you mentioned. Still a big part of athletics, but with a different title. I got a Facebook notification about a week ago, eight years ago, that last week I started at Campbell. I was interviewing Mary Crema on the volleyball team from, I guess, 2015 now. And it's been a while. I mean, we had the Bob Roller era. I used to live right next to Gore Arena in those uh, apartments down there and then moved to Anger here recently. But uh, I've been here since the Chris Clemens era, day one. You and I saw new video boards at basketball, football, a bunch of championships, which that's been documented very well. And then honestly, just a change in culture too. For me, myself being a Los Angeles guy, moving out to Bowie's Creek and then to just seeing these teams go from being the fourth, fifth tier of the Big South to now the best, the cream de la creme. Yeah, it's uh, really uh, amazing when you think about it there. And it's amazing you've been here for eight years. I came here in August of 2011, so I'm starting my 12th season. And what's very unique about that, Bob Roller was hired a month before me. Bob Roller actually didn't hire me because he wasn't here and, and embedded and everything like that. And that is when Campbell's first year in the Big South Conference, of course, now, which we'll talk about a little bit later, going to the CAA. But that's when this golden era, really, of Campbell Athletics started. And I was thinking about it. Every Big South Conference game that has been played here on campus, probably either you or me have seen that in the last 12 years. I was just trying to think and add up a little bit, and then my head started to hurt. But it, But it's been amazing to see this place grow and I've seen it even from the very beginning when I got here in 2011 the arena was a couple years old Gore Arena the basketball arena that was the centerpiece of of quite frankly um, a athletic department and facilities that were division one in name only the baseball stadium Jim Perry Stadium right now and it's right over our shoulders um, as we record this podcast it was a, a high school field and, and not a very good one. It had dugouts that were up above the ground. It had a one-room press box over the concession stand. That's what I always point to when I point to the fact of how far we've come. Softball didn't have a press box just 12 years ago. I mean, my first soccer game I called was under a tent on top of the hill. There were no seats. There was yep. no locker room. There was The guys stood underneath bleachers, basically. There was, there was nothing overhang, and now there's a whole press box and a facility. So much has changed this summer and it starts off with a celebration of what was, when we talk about this golden era of Campbell Athletics, the best and most successful year in the history of Campbell Athletics. 13 different conference championships were won. Incredible when you try to put that into perspective. And the fact that it doesn't include cross country, who's won five of the last six. I mean, last year was their lone blemish, if you will. Um, it's incredible, too, because it's balanced, right? It's women's basketball. It's baseball with their dominance. Softball has now become a, a big South power. You know, there's some room to grow with football and men's basketball, but clearly they're getting better. And when you factor that in, every sport has been top three 
essentially the last four to five years. The tennises are, are rising in the ranks. It, there's no sport you go, oh, man, that's the one we have to hide from people. There truly is. Every sport competes for a title. Yeah, and, and it's been noticed, obviously, with the CAA invitation. But to go back to coming into um, this summer, you know, celebrating the 13 conference championships and, and then a change with the athletic director here at Campbell, Hannah Baysmore, for those of you that don't know, we, we talk about how we've seen this era of change. She was here as a student in the in the mid-2000s, got two degrees here. Her father, uh, of course, uh, VP of, of Student Life, who was, who was here forever, just retired, Dr. Dennis Baysmore, but she was a student here. She came to work here. She's worked through the operations side of she things. She used to work the in the building office. Yes. where we film this, record yep. this podcast. Yeah, yeah, in the business office. So she has really come up, and, and there are few here that know more about Campbell Athletics from the inside out than Hannah Baysmore, and it's already been incredible to see her impact in such a popular appointment as acting director of athletics across the board, Evan, everyone cheering for her and knowing she's going to do and has done such a great job. She's done a lot of different roles here, worked in business, ran, oversaw sports. You know, she has this oversight of us in the video side of things. So she kind of knows all the different pieces to put it together. And now it's neat because it's someone who has a vision, a goal. And this is sort of what Dr. Creed wanted from the university side, someone he trusted to push us into the CAA. Yeah. So the so the second big thing that happened in the summer of, of 2022, so much to celebrate. And then, oh, by the way, here comes an invitation to the Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA, a move that is really going to solidify the future of Campbell Athletics. And quite frankly, one of the main reasons why they choose Campbell is because what we've talked about success. Campbell not only winning 13 conference championships with 27 over the past three years, make no mistake about it, if, if Campbell's athletic program was winning at the rate that it was 10 years ago, this invitation would not come. Well, that's what Joe D'Antonio said, I guess, last week when he came for the CA visit. He was impressed with facilities, with the people, and with the sports programs, right? And that's all the boxes you want to check. I know a lot of Big South fans go, oh, well, Hampton left the conference, North Carolina A&T left the conference, and Campbell's taking the wise step of joining them, moving up in conferences, and that's nothing against the Big South. It's just in terms of long-term longevity and competitive nature of the games. You want to play better teams. I think it's a great move for everybody. You know, and, and football, a catalyst for this, don't, don't get me wrong, the fact that, that the Big South has been a, a ever-changing football league. It was six, seven years ago when Coastal and Liberty, now both FBS teams and FBS teams that do pretty well were in this. It, it was a two-bid league, but it moved and changed. There's only three full-time Big South members when you include Campbell that include football. And this year, a team from Rhode Island and Bryant, nothing against them, but a team from Pennsylvania and Robert Morris is there. You don't know how long that they're going to stay. Well, football builds the rivalries, right? No doubt. And when you have teams that are not regionally based, you lose Monmouth, you lose Kennesaw, you lose North. Those were games people yep. had known for five or six years. And now you play William & Mary, Elon. There's so many schools that are close. Obviously, Hampton returns. There, there are ways to build tradition without necessarily burning bridges in the other conference. You know, and you bring in, this won't be for football, of course, but you bring in UNCW that has traditionally been, and I really don't think you can you can argue it. You can make a case for some others of being rivals, but, but UNCW 
is the biggest rival as, uh, as Campbell. Both uh, came up as big basketball schools, but success in soccer and and baseball. And just two hours away, I think that's one of the many exciting things about being a part of the CAA. I consider it a trade-up in many factors, right? College of Charleston, 10 times better than Charleston Southern. You add Elon over High Point, which is a much more stable campus. You add William & Mary over a school like Longwood. Nothing against them, just a, an upgrade there. And like you mentioned, I mean, UNCW is a huge upgrade over insert any team in the Big South. So all those additions, I know there's some schools up north. You, you maybe haven't heard of Northeastern. You haven't been to Hofstra in a while, but there's so many ways to build tradition here in the Carolinas. Yeah, and, and the CAA really wanted to build a Southern division. You know, details aren't fully in. They, they could still be adding, but it does make the travel when you stay in the Southern division in CANT, Hampton thrown into Will, William and Mary, Elon, UNCW, College of Charleston. If you stay in the Southern Division, the travel is a little bit easier. And then you expand your footprint. You're not going to be going up there every weekend, but you're in Boston. You're in Philadelphia. You're in Long Island. You're in the D.C. metro area. It's going to do something not only for the athletic department and expanding recruiting. It's going to do something for this university, too. And that was a big reason, too. It's academic and athletics that really facilitated this move. Campbell's motto is the private university of choice in North Carolina. And the way to expand on that is become the private university of choice in the Carolinas, into Virginia, into D.C. with Towson and a few other schools, and the more you can push up the coast. Because let's face it, there's pride in this state of being a Campbell alum. That isn't necessarily the case all over the country. So I, I think that move will help tremendously. And back to athletics, if you're not familiar with CAA and football, they have a lot of football-only members who are some of the top teams in FCS. You have Villanova, you have Richmond, you have Maine. You have a going-to-be-14-team football conference in the CAA, a conference that in 2018 got six full members into the FCS football playoff, six, only one automatic bid in the CAA, but six got in. They've gotten five other years. They're a multi-bid league, and not only two, it's three, four, five, six, and that is going to go a long way to help this Campbell football program get onto the national stage. So Campbell played Elon last year. They finished third or fourth in the league, had a good year, but that's a program that's right in the middle of the pack. So for folks wondering, oh, what's the CA like? It's going to be a challenge. Uh, and Mike Minner knows that. He's excited about that with the big recruiting classes. But it's not going to be walk into the park and win the championship in a lot of these leagues. But that's a good thing. You don't want to just be the, the cream of the, the lower divisions. You want to win against the best, too. He's Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Tameyer. This is Camel Call Friday. Usually when you're the host, you don't get someone to come on every segment that has a better podcast voice than you do. But... Evan, you know. We still, you, lo we still love you. I know, I know. You, you know I love you, but you could tone down the broadcaster voice a little bit. It would, it, you're it would, the best it would help me out. You're the best dad on this podcast. <laughs> um, we'll focus back into the fall and into the Big South, of course, all this year, back into the Big South. Campbell trying to build on what was a record year last year. And, boy, we're going to say this every season, how we're looking forward to some very good teams that have a very good chance to win trophies again coming in. But, gosh, look at this fall. You bring back a men's soccer team that's ranked in the top 25 in all the polls, as high as 22. This is in the entire country, folks, not just the region. They won back-to-back -back titles last year, winning both the tournament and conference title. And they're posed for a top 20, top 10 run this year. Just incredible what Dustin Fonder has built. That program, I traveled with them to Texas in 2018, uh, out to SMU tournament. Ever since that trip, they have won three of the last four titles. They've been nationally ranked every year. And he's built a, an empire over there. I mean, it's a soccer program that wins 12 games a year if you snap your finger. 
They're really talented and just good kids, too. It's people you get to know, and I've really grown to like them. And they will be starting their season on the road as they will travel uh, to Texas uh, this week. They will be back home in a couple of weeks. As for going back to the women's soccer, we will come up after the break and talk with Jeff Gross and really go in-depth to the first-year head soccer coach. But he's taken over the preseason favorites that won the regular season last year, the tournament before that. That's a veteran program as well that are expecting to win this year. They have double-digit seniors on that team, a lot of the COVID fifth-year seniors. It's a group that's focused, right? I mean, Samara Zem built a great program, and Jeff Gross from Greensboro comes down. He's not trying to rock the boat. He said that to us multiple times. He wants to just keep building and moving forward, and that's an, that's an awesome trait. And they'll take on Liberty coming up this Sunday after playing two ACC teams this week. They had an early lead against 25th-ranked team in the country in Clemson. Volleyball, Greg Goral has built a program. I, I tell anyone that'll listen, he took over a program that was Division One in, in name only. It took him years to build this program. He did, bringing them their first ever trophy, went to the NCAA tournament last year, and they're favored at the top of the conference again this year. Think to last fall, three straight weekends, Campbell hosted a conference tournament final. Women's yep. soccer, men's soccer, and volleyball. So all three of the main fall sports, they've been at the top the last two to three years and I would say, again, it's going to be high-pointing Campbell and volleyball that will probably win the league. Yeah, you, and you mentioned it a little bit before cross-country um, last year because of some COVID problems and different things like that. The, the men had five straight championships uh, uh, wiped away from them as, as they weren't able to, to repeat. They're going to be a little bit of a rebuilding club, but they have some guys that they don't have that star at the top, but they have a good team. And the women rebuilding as well. And you really like the direction which Coach Givens has – this going in. Well, how about Evan Darn returning? He's the new cross-country yep. head coach, and he was a great athlete here, an all-conference runner that we knew back in, when I first started in your tenure. So cross-country is a hard sport to win. You know, it does take five to six competitive runners. I will say they're still top third in the league. It's not as if they're going to finish ninth or tenth. They have chances to win. Finally, football, and this is a team that is coming off an injury-plagued season. They are picked to finish towards the top of the Big South Conference. Highest, but they highest boast, preseason ever. No doubt, because they boast the FCS number one recruiting class coming in this year. You're going to see a bunch of freshmen that can play. But, oh, by the way, they have a former freshman All-American, finally healthy, and their quarterback, Haj Malik Williams, and he's the guy that's going to stir that pot. I saw Haj at the street fair this week, and, and he was very confident in himself, right? But he's walking around getting free waters, getting the slices of pizza, kissing the baby, saying hi to the, the neighbors. He's really grown as a leader on this team, too. And think about the last two years with COVID and injuries. He hasn't played a bunch of football, but he's been at practice. He's led this team. It's Haj's team. And I think we'll see that this year with a fourth-year redshirt sophomore and a quarterback ready to go well we could sing the praises of a football team that is on the cusp but if you want to get fired up about Campbell football this year uh, go back our last episode in the Camel Call podcast was a uh, was a copy of our live show with Campbell head coach Mike Minner we basically did a season preview for 45 minutes and you know Evan if you talk to Mike Minner for a couple of minutes you're going to be fired up we talked to him to 45 minutes and uh, I'm ready for the season now I only heard a couple of listen lines. He loves saying, ah, listen, Evan, listen, Chris. But his team's a lot different. There are at least 30 players that are either transfers or freshmen that are brand new. And, and everyone knows last year's finish wasn't the best, right? But new roster, returning quarterback, 
a winnable home schedule. There are a lot of games that Campbell should be favored in. So I would think this team is destined for a, a much more positive year. It's going to be fun. They start things off this coming Thursday, back home under the lights, Thursday night at 6 p.m. He's Evan. I'm Chris. We'll be back next Friday, but stick around after the break. I'll talk to head women's soccer coach Jeff Gross. That's coming up here on Camel Call Friday. Single-game tickets for Campbell's 15th football season are on sale now. A reckoning is coming to the creek this fall as the season begins on Thursday, September 1st at 6 p.m. when the Fighting Camels host the Citadel Bulldogs at Barker Lane Stadium at Gore Field. Purchase single-game tickets online at gocamels.com slash tickets and by phone through the CU Athletics Ticket Office at 1-877-GO-HUMPS. Pricing for single-game tickets for this season range from $10 to $35, with group prices starting at just 10 bucks. Since 2019, the Fighting Camel Club has funded championship-level facility projects, such as Eeks Athletics Complex for Campbell Soccer, a new strength and conditioning space inside the Convocation Center. This fall, your Fighting Camel Club donations will fund a new sports medicine facility a new locker room for women's basketball, and a new digital media lab for athletes to work on their personal brands, providing championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. That's the mission of the Fighting Camel Club. For more information, go to GoCamels.com and click on the Give button. Welcome back to Camel Call Friday. Chris Meyer here with you for the final segment of the show. And we are already weeks in to the Campbell women's soccer season. Of course, the defending champs, capturer of three trophies over the last two years, have a new head man at the top of the team. His name is Jeff Gross. And Jeff, already a couple of weeks into this season you guys start early, you go fast, you're playing a couple of ACC teams this week. What has it been like starting the season already a couple weeks in? Yeah, first of all, Chris, thanks for having me. I uh, really enjoy these things and uh, look forward to meeting more people that are associated with Campbell Athletics and the university through these types of things. Um, yeah, it's been, it has hit us fast and we're moving quickly and, you know, I don't think people quite understand the time compression you have to try to acclimate a new team, you know, it's basically a new group because once you add new players to it, it takes a little while to work through who's doing what and how they're doing it and who fits together best and, you know, how do you work that out, right? And, uh, you know, we had a really good preseason. We got out of it healthy, which was a big deal. I think uh, getting – if you have a healthy preseason, you've had a successful preseason – because the time constraint works against us. It doesn't work for us. Um, you know, I thought we I thought we played well against Mercer. Um, I would have liked to have seen us maybe close that out a little bit better. Um, I also would have liked to have seen us score the second goal uh, before they got a sniff at the game. Um, they're very competitive. They're, they're, they do what they do really well, and we didn't manage it as well as we're capable of. But that's also part of playing the games. You know, the Clemson game, you're playing a, a very good team. And, you know, I don't th I think people underestimate when a, a coaching staff's been with a program for 10-plus years, they, they have a leg up right away. And we played a really good team. I don't think we were quite at our best that particular day. I think our group learned a lot in that match. And I'm eager to see how they're going to respond going into a really good NC State team. 
and seeing what we can do there. Yeah, that was a top 25 Clemson team that you guys got off to an early 1-0 lead as well. So that says something about this team. It says something about this schedule. Now, now Jeff, coming in new, of course, uh, in the spring, did you inherit the schedule, or did you intentionally put the non-conference roadblocks to be Clemson, NC State, Liberty, who's an NCAA tournament team, Richmond, Coastal, Wofford? Wow. That's a heck of a first month of the season. Yeah, I mean, I inherited the majority of it. Um, I inherited the first four, if I remember correctly. Um, and I inherited others in that. I've added a few because we lost a couple before I even sat in the chair. So it is an ambitious schedule. It, it will set us up for success down the road. You want to play really good teams often. Um, you know, again, we're working through – what is this group's identity, right? And that's going to take, you know, four, five, six games for the players to understand who they really are. And it helps, you know, the coaches have to work through that as well. But I like the ambition of the schedule, and I'm up for it. I think the players are up for it. I think we had a little bit of a hiccup against Clemson. I, you know, I'd like to play them again in maybe three or four weeks, although we can't. Um, and I think we'll be ready for what's coming in the next few weeks. Coach, you mentioned it a little bit. It's always compressed when it comes to women's soccer. And no exaggeration, you get your entire team on campus. The very next week, you're playing a couple of exhibition games. And the very next week after that, not even two weeks from the day when you start practice, you start a game that counts in the standings. What is that like? And also, have all the coaches got together and talked about maybe changing that? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm actually going to answer the latter of your questions first. There is a, a, a national discussion amongst Division One head coaches to change the calendar. Um, and there is a, a significant movement to try to figure out how to let, allow us to start earlier, but also extend the season on the back end so that we can spread out the games throughout the season and not have to play two games a weekend. Um, also, by starting a little earlier, we can, you know, there's an act, there's in the, in the proposal, there's an acclimation period, and then you get into your preseason. That, that should help quite a bit, uh, getting us ready for games. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to get a group to a cohesive place in eight, nine, ten days. So you have to understand it's a process, you know, and the process takes quite a bit of time whether you have a game eight to ten days in or not so your your process is probably over the first five or six games to get a really good feel for where you're at and then you want to pick up some momentum from there I think uh, the good news is this group is eager they're they're hungry to learn they they keep working at it we, we've tried a, a couple new things They've worked through that. We fumbled around on one of them, but you also—that's how you get better. You figure out what's working and what doesn't, and it just—you just have to be patient in the first five or six games until you find a really good rhythm. With Campbell women's head soccer coach Jeff Gross in his first year, inheriting a veteran team, a talented team, a, a championship team. There's some great things and probably some some other things that are a challenge for you know, taking a veteran group on like that. What, what have you found as you've navigated your way through this? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a great group of human beings, which I really enjoy. Um, there, there's a lot of kids in this group that, and they're not kids, they're women, but there's a lot of women in this group that really enjoy training and they enjoy competition. And, you know, they're, they're open to learning 
about themselves individually and they're open to learning about how their team might be able to function a little bit differently. Uh, and, you know, what was done before was really positive and how I'm going to go about it is going to be different. The, the outcomes should be very similar, you would hope. Um, but I've found that this group is hungry to learn, that they really care about each other, they're super competitive, and they're willing to be in the process and learn from the process. There's more of them coming into the office to engage with me or the other coaches to talk out things that they have questions about or things they want to clear up. And I enjoy that because when you can when you can talk football with your players, right? That that's the most enjoyable part of the of the of the job, other than, you know, the training sessions and the competitive games. You mentioned uh, how they're great human beings, and that brings me to what is at the very top of your bio. It was also something that I heard from you. I got the privilege to be in on the on the interview process when you were interviewing for this job. Human first, athlete next. Care for the human, challenge the athlete. Tell me more about that. Well, I think it's um, I think it comes from when I was a player. I, I wish I had been coached the way I think I carve out how I coach. Um, I think you got to care about people as individuals, and then you have to challenge them as an athlete, and you have to care for them in much more than what they can do for you, if you will, or what they are capable of doing for the program you, you really have to look after them as people and these are young people who are trying to establish who they are what their identity is how they want to go about you know functioning in life so you have to be a great caretaker in that I think um, but it's also their life so you have to understand how to work around how they're working through their process and not like dive into who they are. But when they come to you, you're ready to help them understand who they are a little bit better or how they might be able to work through some things. And, but mostly I think just, I think confidence is mandatory in life. I don't think it's optional. So trying to help them understand they don't have to apologize for being confident ever. Um, and then challenge the athlete, you know, challenge the competitor, challenge the, the thinking of an athlete, I think is where coaching, the coaching craft is, I think that's sort of what you have to really work at is helping them understand how to think for themselves clearly so that their confidence continues to grow. So, you know, care for the human and challenge the athlete. I just think it's the correct approach because it prioritizes how you're supposed to function when you're dealing with other, other human beings. Not an easy thing to do and from what you're saying, and maybe you go back on your sociology degree for, for this, and, and you can tell me if that's kind of where it started. You're, you're, you're thinking this way, but it seems like from your explanation that more than half of being a good coach has nothing to do with tactics, but has to do with the mental aspects of the game, caring for your student athletes. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, yeah, more than half is, I think, an apt way of putting it. Um, I would even say it's much greater than half uh, because we are dealing with people. And, you know, they're here to get a college degree. That's, that's why they go to college. And the soccer is a, is a big part of that. But it's not the priority, right? Figuring out how to become a better version of yourself is the priority. And, you know, how you go about your academic pursuit is part of that. How you go about your athletic pursuit is part of that. And then how do you balance – you know, having the type of life you want outside of your priorities, which are, 
the academics and the athletics and then trying to have some balance in life is what they're all striving for. So, you know, you, you're dealing with them on, on, I try to deal with them on their level, not, I don't try to get them to do what I want them to do. I try to understand who they are individually. And then I try to get them to understand how they need to understand each other in order to function well on and off the field. And I'm big on the word selfless because if you break it in two, it's selfless. So you have to be less about yourself and more about others while also chasing your dreams and priorities. Like you have to look after yourself as well, but you also have to want to take care of others around you. And then if you do that, then everybody benefits from it. Jeff, you played collegiate soccer and then have been coaching at the club and then the Division One level ever since you were at UNCG before you came here. Take me way back to you coming up. What got you in love with this game as a player? And then how did that propel you onto your long decades, long coaching career? Yeah. You know, I started when I was seven and I got on a travel team when I was nine and I just, I liked my club coach at nine. He was just trying to put skill stuff in front of us all the time. And it was always like, how do you, how do you manipulate the ball? How do you master the ball? How do you dribble? How do you pass? How do you shoot? But it was also what I really enjoyed about it is soccer so open-ended in terms of how you can function to do well. Like there's no one way or two ways or three ways to be successful there's just many many ways to be good at it and I wasn't a you know I'm a really good athlete I can play many sports and compete with anybody in their sport but it's hard for them to compete with me in mine but I wasn't fast so you have to be really thoughtful and you have to be skillfully clean all the time well those two things got me really intrigued throughout my playing career and then I wasn't sure if I, what I was going to do after college. I thought I was going to go down the recreation and intramural route in college athletics. And then I, I got into coaching. My stepdad coached for like 40 years and was, I mean, at an exceptionally high level. Uh, we'd, we'd spend 10 podcasts trying to describe his resume. Um, but I kind of got into coaching almost accidentally and then I realized the players were reacting well to what I was trying to help them understand. And I just saw people growing and being more confident. I went, well, that's it. That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to try to chase this thing down and, and make a go of it. And I did. And, you know, it's the, the coaching part is also similar to the playing part. Like, it's just there's no way you can perfect this, right? But you can work towards mastering it. So I like watching players try to master who they are and then try to master the game. And when they, when they get a real good grip on both of those, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing for a coach. You watch an individual light up and their light bulb goes on, and then they're off and running for the rest of their career on their own way of doing things. That, that, you don't have to pay me for that. Jeff, I'll say it again. We're glad you're here. Thank you for uh, choosing Campbell, and uh, good luck on the rest of the season. We'll catch up with you pretty soon. This Sunday at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. The Fighting Camels will be at Liberty. That'll do it for us here on the Camel Call Friday podcast. Remember, live podcast coming to you from the county seat on Monday, 6.30 to 7.30. Our guests will be volleyball head coach Greg Gorl and Campbell head football coach Mike Minner and co-defensive coordinator Reggie Howard. We'll be back with another Friday podcast of Camel Call coming up next Friday. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.